running your business and marketing your business are they're not separate you know you you need a lifeline and you just have to keep going sometimes things don't always go exactly the way you want to but you still have to tell your story and talk about the business um and put yourself out there welcome to the veranda entrepreneur podcast i'm christine mills On the Veranda Entrepreneur Podcast, I feature entrepreneurs while I discuss ways you can grow your business today. Step onto the veranda, get a cup of tea, get comfortable, and let's talk shop. Let's do this. Veranda Entrepreneur Show. Today we have Dana Ball from Ball House Design. I'm so excited to interview her today. I think she's my third cousin, but we're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> we have the same last name. I was ball be- I was ball before I became Mills. So um, welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about your um, your design company. How you got started? So um, the name of the company is Ball's Design Studio. And it started in 2012 as a like a side hustle. I was working full time with a all inclusive resort, and I started the business um, as a creative outlet. Um, and while working full time, I was building the business. And in 2016, I left the company to to do this full time. And since 2016, I've just been working on building the business and trying to grow it into the vision that I have for it. So were you always a creative person growing up? Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you were growing up. How did you get into art? Yeah, I was always into making stuff. So I'm from a little town called Savannah Lamar in Jamaica. It's a rural town on the western, the southwestern coast of Jamaica. Um, most people know Negril, but Savlamar is not. It's like an old um, factory town. It, used, it was known for um, sugarcane production way back in the day. And, you know, over time, that factory has significantly reduced in production and sugar isn't the number one sweetener anymore. So, you know, those historical things that happen. Um, and so not much creativity or it's not a it's a very slow town um so growing up I think my parents tried to push me into different areas to keep me active and one of the one of the things was just like keeping me busy doing creative projects like I would do basket weaving or um t-shirt painting um dancing calligraphy anything to keep me busy as a younger because I have an older brother and a younger brother and so I would always you know I was a little bit of a tomboy but at the same time I still had my dolls and stuff and whatever but always being pushed to do something creative I guess um the boss side of the family is known for being creative And so um, all three of us have a little knack for drawing, but I'm the only one that has pursued it as a career. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was like 14, my dad bought a little clay set for me and I I liked it. When I eventually, years later, went to design school, 
I um, did a mold making in ceramics course and um, learned product production pottery, which is what I do now, where it's like um, being able to replicate a design and to yeah. make multiples of one particular design using a mold process. And so it just kind of came full circle where I used to play around with clay in the garage to actually having a business that's making stuff. Well, I've since moved out of my mother's garage, but came right back to the same spot <laughs> many years later. <laughs> That's very yeah, nice. Yeah. And I like that um, when I look on your pictures, there are a lot of, um, you have the heads, a lot of the faces with your ceramic. Is that your signature piece? Um, a lot a lot of people know me for that particular piece. Um, I have different styles that I'm drawn to. There are a variety of things that I like. Um, I'm influenced by, yes, Jamaican designers that have gone before me and also other designers across the world from ranging from Wedgwood and London ceramicists or artists to Japanese ceramics and artists and American just um, and even Scandinavian design. So I like I mean, I infuse all of that into the work. The pieces with the faces is inspired by um, just the Caribbean people. So I have my dance hall, Queen Salt and Pepper Shakers. Mm-hmm. And that's just a part of just me celebrating the dance hall culture, which is not often celebrated. That's and um, I have the planter heads, which was, um, I call that the Caribbean princess, because that was just to... Um, showcase uh i would say the feminine beauty of a caribbean woman Mm. and i i mean there are other faces that i want to do but there are a lot of notable jamaican ceramicists who focus on the face like jean pearson Mm. um um, nakazi they all have these masks and and these like very serene faces and they do one-of-a-kind pieces my pieces are more um reproduction they're Mm -hmm. one-of-a-kind up to a certain point but it's still a reproduction of an original sculpture that i did um so the the design is inspired by that but it's my interpretation of what i think of when i think of my culture yeah well, that's that's a really nice, uh, fresh perspective. Um, I like that you are actually celebrating the dance hall culture. That's interesting because you're right; it's not often celebrated among Caribbeans as people think it is. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, um, you know, I know that your business is people know about it from um in America and all around, and um, I just want to know how you go about marketing it um to let other people know about what you're doing. So I was not always comfortable, like, self-promoting and talking about myself um, until I had, uh, I met with, I went on a a trade mission with um, a Caribbean Export Development Agency. And the marketing person said to me, well, you're the center of the business. You have to get more comfortable talking about yourself. So I had to 
I was always in marketing because I did my first degree I did in psychology and marketing at the University of the West Indies. And um, I like marketing. I like the idea of advertising, but never to put myself as the subject. (laughs) So I had to get comfortable with that. Um, It's always easy for me to talk about the pieces, but not about myself and my process and, and all that stuff. Right. So for me, it was all about it started out just talking about the products, um, photographing them well. That's very important that I tried to photograph them as best as I can. Even though I do most of the, the, the photographing myself, I try my best to replicate what I see around me. Um, and I try to... And it just started. It's like a a little seed that you plant. You know, you tell one person, they tell somebody else and somebody else tells somebody else. And that's how it has grown. And I just try to stay true to who I am and just stay dedicated to what I'm doing. I really haven't stopped or given up. There are frustrating moments, but I think sometimes... um, running your business and marketing your business are they're not separate you know you you need a lifeline and you just have to keep going sometimes things don't always go exactly the way you want to but you still have to tell your story and talk about the business um and put yourself out there those are the people they buy from because they feel like they know the person Yes. And it can be a challenging if you're used to being, you know, separate from it and private. So I can see that be challenging at times. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting I'm, I've gotten used to it still an, an adjustment at times because sometimes I want to just stay in my little shell. Yeah. But, you know, you can't hide away. And um, I think I've gotten a lot more comfortable and it's still an adjustment for me as I become more comfortable just putting myself out there. And I, I think it's it's something that a lot of creative people face because they tend to be more in their heads and more yeah. internal and introverted. Um, I tell people all the time, like, I'm an extroverted inter- introvert because I like to talk to people, but right. I, I'm not necessarily the person that's going to go on stage and host an event. But, right. you know, in my own little way, I like to talk and have conversation and meet people and, and that type of stuff. But I still like my little um, private moments where I get to marinate on something or, you know, be in the little world. Yeah. Well, how is the design um, industry in Jamaica and in the Caribbean? Oh, it's um, it can be quite challenging. Um, there are not a lot of resources. Um I'm not sure about the other islands, but I kind of feel it's similar. A lot of money isn't invested in art programs in schools. Um, I talk about it as often as I can because I think that Caribbean people are naturally very creative. And with lack of resources, it allows you to be more creative. But I feel cannot comprehend in the country of reggae mm-hmm. why you don't have more music programs in primary schools and high schools why do you have to wait until you get to a university level or you drop out of high school and decide to pursue music that you understand you know the theory and the basis of it um 
and it's the same thing with visual arts or dance or anything. We we are known for those things internationally, and we we have done that with so little. If there was some more investment in the creativity when you're of the youth, I think it would help us a lot more in terms of our creative industry and producing more um, from the industry. So I feel waiting until the university level is not good enough or yeah. waiting until you're about to do an, your, your final exam and you do two years of intensive study in art. It's not enough. I think children need to learn to play in from an elementary or primary school level to develop those skills because not everybody's going to be a doctor or a lawyer or so everybody has different skills and so I feel like we, we lose out a lot because we don't do that and then we end up in a situation where a lot of creative people don't pursue a career yeah. doing what they love because it's so hard to be able to grow as a designer one and then two to be in business as one right um so i find that that is the that is the like the core of the problem and then the second part is the perception that the general population has of people that are in the creative field you know typically if you're in the creative field you may the perception is that, oh, it's a little roadside hustle or something that you do from home. It's not a genuine business. And right. there are few people like myself who are pursuing it as a genuine business. And so I've been lucky enough that I've convinced people that this is a business and it's my livelihood. I've developed a client base that that has supported me. Um, and it's a very huge struggle to get there so I can understand other people that don't have the same opportunities that I may have had or the same exposure just not wanting to do it because it is yeah. it's quite difficult getting there yeah um, and so I try to encourage people anytime I have a platform or any like to encourage them and to also speak up about the way about speak out about the way people perceive artists or creatives or designers you know we're we're it's a career too you know we do have to we have intellectual property we have ideas we have concepts and those things are of value so I think that we have a long way to go but I think more the more people that go into business and pursue it you know professionally it will um it will change yeah no, you make a lot. You make a lot of great points. You know, sometimes I'm home with my family and we'll be listening to music, and we're just amazed by how much music has come out of Jamaica, the island itself. I mean, we are creative people, and um, yeah. when you're right. And um, once people start looking at the different forms of art as being a profession, I, I think that they'll look at, biz- at business opportunities with those as well, and they'll nurture upcoming artists as well. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I find even even just trying to find people to work with me in the studio, it's extremely difficult because you have to be teaching them things that should come naturally um, oh. from a basic level because they're just not exposed to anything creative. 
um, or they think of it as a serious career. Um, oh. Where if you go to other countries, it's a serious career to be a ceramicist, or yeah. to even not even be a full-fledged ceramicist, but just to be a slip caster, which is yeah. one part of the process in what I do. Like people do that for a living, and they take it seriously. But the the problem is because we don't teach design and creativity and art in school at an early age, we we put ourselves at a disadvantage of having a nation of people who don't we don't pay attention to detail as much yeah. as we should we're not as um i think that sometimes it limits us in our problem solving skills because you're not using that side of your brain to make yeah, certain yeah. connections right, so right. it is important it's very important it's not just about reading a book and being able to regurgitate information it's all about making linkages as well and sometimes you need to use your brain creativity creatively to be able to solve problems um so i feel it's important i really i really feel it is important do you feel that it's going to change in the future are they making any steps to change that in the school system there it's it's talked about but it's not it will take some time yeah i remember when i was younger they had this concert for music programs in schools in the U.S. and it was like all the divas in concert or something of the sort and it was a huge thing like Mariah Carey and Celine Dion and Aretha Franklin and it was all these huge stars who just and it was a TV a televised broadcasted thing and they were raising money for music programs in schools in the U.S. so I, I know it's not something that's just a Caribbean problem no, not at all. I think it's worldwide. Um, or in, I wouldn't say maybe some some countries are better at at including that in their curriculum, but I think that it will take more people like myself who believe in it to advocate on behalf of you know the youth coming up, um, and it will take time to change. But if more people speak up about it. Um, then hopefully there's this a lot of talk about um, science and technology and engineering Um, and we're I think a lot of people are hoping they're hoping that art gets lumped into it but I think people have to speak up about it and that's that's the main the main thing Um, I, I think that when you have a lot of people like in the U.S. that they they're like patrons of the art and they they're wealthy and they take their money and they put it back into the community and into the arts it's really good when people do that and i'm hoping that jamaica can eventually develop that culture of helping to support art programs and and schools and stuff like that so eventually i think so but it's never going to be like perfect but i think Anything is better than what it is right now. Right, right. My daughter, just as a personal note, based on what you're saying, my daughter went to a private school in Connecticut, and they had a great art program, and that's what really drew me to the school. And now um, both children are attending public school in Florida, and it's totally different. The artwork that she was doing in second grade, third grade, fourth grade, I haven't seen any student teacher do that now, but uh, either of my children right now, and it's just because... They don't have the funding in that area to really 
promote that in K through 12 schools a lot of times. And um, I've also noticed that with the push for STEM, like what you were talking about, everything is a test. Like everything comes down to testing, testing, testing. And because of that, um, it kind of squeezed out a lot of the art programs that, you know, could have been. So a lot of parents here, um, you have to take an initiative to really have your kids do art programs at museums and all that to expose them. Because even if they don't pursue it as a career, just using that part of their brain, like you were saying, and just thinking creatively, it comes with doing that. Exactly, exactly. And I find that, um, I find that the technical schools in Jamaica, and these are the schools that aren't the, you know, the illustrious schools that everybody wants to go to, because I had a problem with my kiln last year. And I couldn't find anybody in my area with a kiln that could help me. And it was one of the, it's like a, the technical schools are the schools that teach like, um, they'll do the regular subjects, but there's also a focus on, you know, learning about um, automobile repair and carpentry and that type of stuff as well. And they, they actually had a very good art program. They had a large kiln in this, in, in their kiln room. They had a teacher who was dedicated to teaching ceramics. Um, they had a very huge classroom with an area for them to just focus on doing that. There could be improvements because the teacher himself isn't like, he's not a ceramics professor. Right. Um, but the only reason they had that was because it was donated from, I'm not sure who donated it. Some, I think it, some company from the U S or something like that. Somebody bought the kiln, bought all the supplies for them. And it was just my good luck that I found out that they had a kiln and I could use it. And that saved me, la not last Christmas, the Christmas before, for me to be able to fill my orders. Wow. Um, and I find that um, if we had more... I would say art programs like that, even just the, the basis so that children know that it is available or this option is out there, then I think it would be a little bit better. I mean, I I plan to eventually, I've spoken to the teacher to go in and do like, you know, one or two classes and have the students learn a different perspective and show them outside of just using local red clay, what is possible for um if you use your creative ability. So I find that I find that um, it's also going to take like they say pay it forward. You, you also have to go back and um, help out the community and help, you know, lift them up. Because a lot right. of these children, they come from inner city communities in the area and they don't they're not exposed to that. And you'll find one person who really has a talent, but no yeah. one to nurture them and no vision or exposure to what could be yeah. possible to expand the vision they have for themselves. So it's important to do that as well. Right, right, right. Well, I'm happy that you're paying it forward and you're still connected to the community there. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, I think it's important. One of the main reasons I decided to 
keep the business here where I'm from. It's a rural town. And so if I was in Kingston, it's the capital of Jamaica, it would have been much easier because that's where the majority of my clients are. And most people associate Jamaican creative culture with Kingston. Yeah. I decided I made a, a very difficult decision to move back home. One to when I left um, the company I was working for in 2016, the main reason was I've always wanted to be in the community that I grew up in. A lot of them, a lot of the people in the community, they're not used to seeing a creative business. Yeah. They don't have that option. Right. It's either you're going to work in the tourism industry, you're going to become a cashier, a teacher, a police officer, just the norm, you know, something right. in customer service. And so I felt that it was important for me to establish myself in this old factory town to showcase and to develop the creative side in a, a creative business in a rural community, because I feel that it was important to integrate into the community in that way. So um, it's difficult, you know, you don't really have a social life and yeah. it's a lot harder to network, but um, I find it very rewarding and I feel like I'm supposed to be here. That's, yeah. Good. yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good. So um, now we're going to just pivot a little bit more to the business, like a creative business. So you yeah. were saying earlier, like your vision, um, how you're trying to establish your vision. So what is your vision for your company? I would like to be one of the design leaders from the Caribbean um, exporting products inspired by our culture. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like when FUBU was created, it was for us, by us. And it's essentially the same concept, creating products inspired by our culture. Um, but I want it for everyone. I would like it to bring joy to anybody that, that it connects with. And I think that the pieces have been doing that. Um, but the idea is to just spread Jamaican culture globally and that is the ultimate vision to be able to not just do ceramics but also to do soft goods table linens um flatware um pillows throws whatever it is that i feel um expresses our culture in a yeah. modern way and that can be shared with people um for them to enjoy or you know, just be a part of their everyday living. Right. You know, when you say that about the culture of Jamaica, although I was raised in Florida, um, I was really raised in a big Jamaican community. And one thing that always I always remember growing up was crochet being everywhere, like crochet tablecloths, crochet on, on nightstands, crochet everywhere. And a lot of my aunts, they made it by hand. And I'm just curious, you know, um, what kind of inspiration would you put in your tablecloths and all that with the Caribbean culture? Well, for me, um, I love batik and I love tie-dye. Oh, yeah. Um, so I have thought about incorporating that into a collection. I also do like crochet. I think it's very detailed and very pretty. Um 
I had an idea for a lighting fixture, um, and I'm working with a young lady from the Negril area to help me um, with the design. It's not a, it's not like a new concept that I'm inventing. A lot of people have done it where they dip the, the, um, the doily or whatever you're making into the clay, and then you fire that. Oh. Jay burns out and it leaves the intricate clay. Oh, okay. Pattern. So I'm interested in experimenting in something like that because I do like crochet. Yeah. And there are other things that I also have thought about experimenting um, with it. It it has been a dying art because not many it not many people value it. You know, people yeah. may think that oh, it's old-fashioned or whatever. But it takes a lot of patience and time yeah. to create something yeah. like that. Um, and so I come in at the end when nobody's really doing it, and it's going to be very difficult to find one or two people who right. remember all these different patterns and stuff. Right, right, but right. I, I feel like some of those old traditions can be made modern and can be made relevant again for our time. Right. So I, I I feel like I'm desperately trying to get the ceramic business running on its own so I can do the other products as well. Right. So how how's your distribution? Like you said, a lot of your clients are in Kingston. So you sell abroad as well. Can people purchase from you abroad as well? Yes, so I um, have a few stores that carries the pieces locally. I have okay. a website which has been doing, um, it's slowly gaining traction. I've been, yeah. I got some press locally in the U, some exposure locally um, in the U.S. recently. So people have been going on the website and shopping. Yeah. And I do have um, retail online retail partners who also carry the line um that's 54 kibo they are dedicated to um selling uh, products from uh, makers in the in the african diaspora so any country in africa or who people who have my you know with the whole slave trade they've moved into the caribbean into the americas as long as they have some african lineage they are dedicated to supporting those businesses and really great products coming out of africa coming out of the caribbean coming out of the u.s very well made modern take on all the things that we love in terms right. of from an african culture right and they're doing a really great job with that. And I also have my website, um, bauhausdesign.com, and I sell everything in my, my line is, is there. So people can, in the States, can get products through either one of the websites, um, along with, um, I'm hoping to get into a few stores. I don't know with Corona how <laughs> I'm going to you know, be able to, manage that because I had plans to go to a few trade shows to try and get some yeah. stores to carry but we see we'll see how best we can right we can get that going um because the idea is to be able 
to get the product out there. And we do have a few, we have some local larger businesses who are supporting the smaller businesses and they have offered to help ship our products to different countries that they ship to and right. warehouse. So we're hopeful that in a few years, will be a little bit more established in the international markets, not only for myself, but other small manufacturers. Right. So um, when you say like in stores, what kind of stores? Are you just looking at luxury stores or high-end stores? Or like what is your typical store you like to be in in the U.S., for instance? The typical store that I would, would have to be middle to higher end. Okay. Because my price point is... Um, it's in that region. Okay. Uh, because the type of clay I use is porcelain, right. so it's a little more finer material. Um, to ship stuff from Jamaica to anywhere in the world is a little bit more expensive. Right. So it would it would have to be higher end. But with that said, there are pieces within the range for different price points and different pockets. I don't believe that you should just be making everything so exceptionally expensive that right. no one can afford something that makes them happy or brings them joy or no good design isn't just for one group of people it's for right. everyone so i have a range of price points okay um, that people can get but i think that the most affordable way and i'm hoping that i can get some kind of warehousing and fulfillment arrangement so I can reduce my shipping costs. Right. Because um, most of the people that buy from me, I think they're comfortable with the price point. I think the shipping is usually the challenge. Um, yeah. Most people understand it's coming from Jamaica, so it's going to be a little bit more. And right. I've been negotiating, trying to get better rates the best that I can. Right. So um, for right now, it is what it is. I have no control right. for those things. But we... we still fight the good fight yeah well that's awesome well one day hopefully i'll be seeing you and not only macy's but i'll probably see a line for you and target that would be pretty neat yes that would be good because then i because i've i've invested in in machinery to help me do to mass produce some of the pieces right. so everything is not so labor intensive yeah um because this production is very labor intensive yeah. and so um if i get everything mass produced on the on the press that i it's a, called a hydraulic press then it'll be a little bit easier uh easier to produce and i can produce more so therefore it will bring down the costs of some of the the items that can be done on that machine right well thank you for sharing a little bit about your business now we're going into the rapid fire question. This is when people just get to know a little bit about you. So um, the first question is, which, which beach is your favorite beach in Jamaica? Which beach is my favorite beach? Well, the best beaches in Jamaica are on the south coast. I know people on the north coast, they're going to kill me. But the best <laughs> beaches in Jamaica are on the south coast. Hands down. Anybody wants to take that up with me, they can. But definitely, <laughs> my favorite beach, though, will have to be would, would have to be Paradise Beach. It's a it's not a it's a private beach because it's on a private property. I went to school on this property. It was a it's a huge okay. farm, 
And the school I went to was Paradise Prep, and they have this beautiful beach, beautiful, oh. beautiful beach. And sometimes, sometimes I get to, um, I ask for permission and I go there. But it's oh. um, close to where I live, beautiful beach. And then just around the corner from that, there is Bluefields Beach, where I used to go a lot as a child with my family. And um, just uh, if you just drive along the South Coast, you just see the most beautiful views and the most beautiful beaches. It's very nice. The, the South Coast, does that include St. Elizabeth? Yes, St. Elizabeth oh. is on the South Coast. But um, I really haven't been to any beaches there. There's Treasure Beach, but oh, I don't yeah. think Treasure, Treasure Beach is more like a gray, black sand type right. beach. Right. Um, closer to the western, the southwestern side has more of the white beach, beach oh. and it's a bit more, I think, it's more like what you see on a postcard type okay. shot. But Treasure Beach beaches are are also nice, but in a different way. It's more rustic and a little bit more, you know, so they're also nice. Yeah. Okay, the next question is, what's your favorite business book? Yeah. I'm currently reading a series of books from Bradley Sugars. Okay. And he has a series of things um, like the business coach, you know, um, systems. There's one on putting systems, one on HR, one for real estate. So he he's a he's called the billionaire coach or something like that. Okay. And he talks about those kind of um, it's just some very small books, easy to digest, okay. and it gives you very good information on what you should do in your business. But for me, um, in terms of business and getting advice, I'm always like on entrepreneur.com yeah. or any of those 99U, any of those websites that offer advice for entrepreneurs and creative businesses as well. So I'm yeah. always reading those blogs and those articles, that type yeah. of information. Yeah, but I love some gives some very good, very good um, information. Oh, nice. Okay, the next question is coffee or tea? Tea. Tea? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tea girl and I love green tea. I love my herbal teas. I love my floral teas. Okay. Um, tea, I'm a tea girl. Yeah. My parents, they always had a hot kettle on because they drank tea every day, all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've, I'm, no, I'm known for, get, I can't drink my tea too hot, so I'm known for putting it down, then getting it too cold, and having to put it in the microwave, yeah. then taking it out, and drinking it in the evening when it's been there from the morning. Right, but right. I'm a tea I'm a tea. Well, that concluded the interview with Dana Ball. Um, we had a little audio problem afterwards, but I just... Hope you really enjoyed that interview. It was so great to meet with her. Uh, such a lovely personality and I love her work. Be sure to check out her website at Ball House Design. Uh, it's probably, it's pronounced more like Ball's Design and it's spelled B-A-U-G-H-A-U-S-D-E-S-I-N-I-G-N. So Ball's Design, B-A-U-G-H. A-U-S-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. Check out her work. It's amazing. And if you like this episode of the Verena Entrepreneur Podcast, please be sure to subscribe, 
and rate the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Take care and listen to more episodes so you can hear from other great creative entrepreneurs as they step onto the veranda. 